What is up, Bitcoiners? I have an awesome episode of the Bitcoin Magazine podcast lined up for you today. This is Nozomi Hayes. She is an absolutely incredible thinker, philosopher, and freedom fighter in the Bitcoin space. Nozomi has a background in psychology, and she has taken that background and her lessons from kind of going through that education process and really laid it on to Bitcoin. And she definitely has some interesting historical understanding. And this episode gets absolutely, absolutely cosmic. So you're not going to want to miss this one. It is going to blow your mind. And uh, we're going to talk about Native American mythology and all this kind of stuff that you never thought would tie into Bitcoin Before we get into this show, though, I want to tell you about our sponsor. It is the Bitcoin 2021 conference. This is going to be the Bitcoin conference of all time. There never has been an event like this. The mayor of Miami, Francis Suarez, has rubber sealed this event. It's going to be happening on June 3rd, 4th and 5th in Miami, Florida. And guys, it is going to be absolutely amazing. Like I said, Mayor Suarez has rubber stamped it and is speaking. But we also have amazing speakers like Tony Hawk, Nick Zabo, Chamath, who else? Gosh, so many more. Michael Saylor, Jack Dorsey. That's just scratching the surface. Those are just some of the headliners. There are so many Bitcoiners going to be going to be at this event. And 2020 has been such a grind. Many of us have been thirsting for human interaction and Bitcoiner interaction in particular. And Bitcoin 2021 is going to be the ultimate place for that. Matt Odell is calling it the 200K party, and I think he might just be right. All right, guys, that is enough for me. Make sure to go get your Bitcoin 2021 ticket at b.tc backslash conference and use promo code Satoshi to get 10% off. Again, that is Satoshi to get 10% off. This event will sell out. Do not miss it. Let's get into this podcast with Nozomi. Bitcoiners, I am here with Nozomi Hayes. She is a longtime contributor to Bitcoin Magazine, a thought leader and psychologist in the space, and someone who's really been contributing some very, very interesting and fundamental work around privacy and Bitcoin usage. Nozomi, welcome to Bitcoin Magazine podcast. Thank you for having me on. So I guess, why don't we just start off with like a brief introduction of yourself and, you know, some of the projects that you've been involved with, as well as your contributions to Bitcoin Magazine. Oh, sure. So since 2010, when Wikileaks published the Colorado Matter video, I started to write and I ended up becoming a journalist. And mainly at the time, how I started writing was to counteract official narratives against Wikileaks that, that efforts to um, discredit the Wikileaks. I was trying to inform public. And so that's how I ended up becoming a journalist. And, and over the last 10, basically 10 decades, what I ended up doing was that I ended up documenting the war, US government's war against the First Amendment declared against the Wikileaks. And then as we all know that this has evolved into long prosecution against a legal battle that the that uh, Wikileaks founder Julian Assange has been engaged in, and he's now still he still remains in 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 um, the uh, British uh, Britain's Belmarsh prison, being psychologically tortured and not you know be allowed to even temporarily released. So that's kind of how I started writing, and then and then this 
basically when I when I started, I mean, I was before I found uh, WikiLeaks. Actually, I was I was a student in clinical psychology program, and I wanted to become a therapist or a clinician, and mainly because I felt that there are a lot of suffering that the individual experience, and that's whether that is depression or um, some kind of you know uh, relationship problems. But I found that the this Western society, this consumeristic capitalism, really produces a lot of suffering and and mainly because it's connected to our uh, lack of lack lack of uh, purpose and, and meaning in life so i wanted to somehow mitigate that suffering so i decided to become a clinician and then went into the clinical psychology program and a little i you know understood at the time that i was very naive getting in and and i soon uh, was uh, met with yeah kind of hit with reality that how the the psychology itself has become certain kind of industry, you know, the therapy has become industry. And, and in a sense that psychology became uh, the, become complicit in perpetuating the oppression that we experience. So, so I did a lot of um, internal search and exploration and then found uh, something called liberation psychology. So then I basically left uh, the clinical program and decided to study liberation psychology. And liberation psychology is basically, there is this understanding that there is a force of oppression or control in our society and that creates individual suffering. So acknowledgement of that meant so much to me. And then I studied and and really believed in in this body of knowledge uh, to um, bring social justice to mitigate social oppression. And I became very much in love with the, the, the theories and, you know, what I studied about liberation psychology very much. But at the same time, again, I met with obstacles or challenges that I felt like that this knowledge produced in academia, I guess, or in, in higher education, it's so much disconnected from the real world. And it's, you know, I wanted to find a way to put that knowledge into action. And that's when I found basically the disruptive forces or um, revolution that have taken place on the internet and that was led by WikiLeaks and it was in 2010 and so then I got very much involved in you know decentralized movement from anonymous to you know WikiLeaks led uh, global revolutions and free flow of information cultural transparency all of those things I just I just became fascinated with them and I became part of Part of it in, in some ways. So that's so in that environment, basically, I eventually discovered Bitcoin and and then found, yeah, really, I mean, the Bitcoin has tremendous revolutionary potential in really mitigating and social oppression and, and allowing me to actually do something I always wanted to do with liberation psychology. So long story short, um, basically what what Bitcoin presented was Bitcoin presented a way for me to liberate myself first at the personal level and and allow me to to think in a complete new way to bring about social change. Yeah, it's awesome to hear you kind of express that experience because I feel like a lot of Bitcoiners also have that experience. Bitcoiners often say things like, Bitcoin changes you more than you change Bitcoin. Bitcoin fixes this. Bitcoin grounds you. I think part of what that understanding and that experience is, is is knowing how much money affects your day-to-day and your your real-world experience. 
can you kind of talk about like how money affects you and how us living in a fiat world is affecting mankind? So, I mean, for me, what I came to recognize is that at the psychological level, I first recognized that how we were made to trade our authenticity, authenticity for acceptance or validation, recognition. And in this hierarchical system, you know, where basically money is controlled and market is controlled, and it's the, the money, you know, whoever control money create incentives, the financial incentive to uh, promote certain type of behavior attribute, but also certain type of personality, I think. And, and that personality I, I recognize is to be kind of, you know, very much susceptible to commercial interest, superficial, very much ex- extroverted. And, and that, again, creates, I think, uh, lack of purpose and, and uh, direction in life and cut us off from uh, spirituality or essence or essence. And of course, it creates alienation from nature, like, you know, create a culture that alienates, you know, cut us off from nature. And, and that's very much, I think, seen, especially in corporate America, in corporate America, how it's, it's really separated from Native American culture, indigenous culture that, you know, was deeply connected to nature. So, this whole, you know, I, I didn't realize how much it is, it, it's the economic forces or financial forces that, you know, really control our behavior. And, and you know, as I said, to regulate certain behavior, promote certain behavior and punish certain behavior and promote certain, you know, type of personality or make us to be, basically make us to conform to, to the dominant values and, and make us be fake. And so when I, First, found out about this the influence of economics in in you know basically the psychological life, our internal life. It was so much eye opening, and then it's really uh, helped me to to take I think the, what I learned in liberation psychology, uh, learned from liberation psychology into into the next level. And you know the liberation psychology that I learned touches on this, like to try to understand the force of oppression and control and how it's gonna affect us and how it's going to prohibit us from expressing ourselves freely. But I didn't really have a way to address that, that the, to, to mitigate that, that force of oppression. And the Bitcoin really, from my perspective, brought formidable tool for us to actually start to change incentives and then start to align ourselves with who we are. Yeah, so that was, that was I think, for me, important uh, aspect that Bitcoin has brought and yeah, Bitcoin has brought, yeah. Amazing, amazing. Again, I can second kind of the experience and really it's like, it's a a mental model. Like once you have a a Bitcoin centric mental model and worldview, it really changes every aspect of you. And to be honest, like me having a Bitcoin centric worldview has helped me immensely through 2020. And in navigating through all the craziness that we just endured for now, it's getting close to a year. Right. And I think that the one one thing I want to add to this is that uh, the dimension I want to add to this is that, you know, we often, Bitcoiners often talk about individual sovereignty and the freedom of expression and how Bitcoin allows us to express ourselves freely. But something that I think we don't necessarily talk about is how Bitcoin allows us the right to freedom of association. And it enables the real social relations directly that, that allow us to connect uh, with one another through our heart. And, and so, you know, we, we 
So for instance, you know, I used to work at the at the law firm in San Francisco, and you know, I you know this was something that I I was equipped, to, I had a skill for, and but I didn't really care much about what I was doing, but I had to do you know for money and to make income. So I go there, sit there, you know, in the office and surrounded by my colleagues, you know, lawyers and the paralegals, and that I I felt no connection with, to be honest. And, you know, I, I had to be there from nine to five, right, to make money. And after work, you know, they ask me, I mean, they, they go out uh, for happy hour to hang out. And then, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't really want to spend time with them because, you know, here, like from all day long, I was sitting next to them, hearing their gossips and the, the TV programs that they have watched or, you know, their relationship programs, you know, they had, you know, they broke up with, you know, uh, their boyfriend or, you know, all those things that I had no interest in whatsoever, but I have to sit there and then just listen to them. And then now, you know, after work, like now I have to, again, go, go to drink a beer or something with them. And, and fortunately I was, I was not cool enough. So I never was invited to those happy hours, but that's the kind of example that, you know, people that, that my colleagues, most of them went there and none of them, you know, most of them actually did not enjoy their time there. And when I ask them, you know, then why do you go there? You know, and then they say, well, because if I don't go there, I don't get promotion. I, I will miss out. You know, I, I, you know, I need to make connections. I need to just, you know, spend time with them, even though they, they don't enjoy. So that's kind of one thing I think Bitcoin allow us to really be authentic, you know, allow us to be authentic and then be able to have a free association with people that we like, you know, people that we want to talk with, you know, people that uh, whose interests aligned with and, and the purpose in life, you know, all of those things. And I think, you know, the one thing that, you know, we often talk about how people quit their jobs, you know, they were able to quit the jobs that they didn't like because of Bitcoin and Bitcoin price going up and then, you know, they have enough money. But at the same time, Bitcoin allows us to basically walk away from relationships, situations, and the people that that are not aligned with our highest good or that, you know, necessarily don't serve for, our, for us. So I think that's that, that Bitcoin's ability to enable more authentic social relations. And, and, and I think at the global level, uh, Bitcoin being the, the borderless, stateless currency, that I believe that the Bitcoin would facilitate cultivating fraternity. So we have liberty, you know, and equality. And now with Bitcoin, we can have fraternity, you know, sense of brotherhood. And that would, you know, really, I think, bring peace, you know. So that's, I think, the one part that I, I feel, you know, as a, as a liberation psychologist, you know, who uh, pay attention to more psychological aspect, psychological domain of, of our life that uh, I became aware of it. So, I mean, for someone who is listening to this and doesn't already believe that Bitcoin changes you, and when he they are listening to you say that Bitcoin will bring peace, Bitcoin will help people socialize and be themselves more. Like, how do you how do you break that down from first principles for them? Well, I think that you know the the we have heard the rhetoric that the Bitcoin promotes peace in terms of you know how it it would challenge central banks. And it would challenge the federal hegemony, and you know it would mitigate the, the currency debasement, inflation, all of the things. You know, so that the government cannot fund wars anymore, right? So that's economic economical argument, I think. But at the same time, I think fundamentally, peace is something that that cannot that we cannot have unless we have 
unless we attain inner peace at first. And I firmly believe that the the each person, so each person attaining inner peace, that would you know manifest into the external world, and we would find peace. And I think what Bitcoin does is Bitcoin enables the right to to freedom of expression, and then you know give us ability for us to basically not to answer to anyone, you know, and when we don't have to answer to anyone, any kind of, you know, whether, because the incentive will completely change. Incentive will be aligned with self-interest of everyone so that everyone is allowed to act out of self-interest and express them, themselves freely. And so when that happened, I think that we are, each person are allowed to explore, allowed to really, you know, pursue for their own unique paths to become individual. And I think that the I firmly believe that we are all geniuses, and and I, I use the term genius to to, to mean you know the, the, the stick to the the dictionary meaning of genius. And genius does not mean um, somebody who's exceptional. Genius means that it's it's a spirit given to a child at birth, and that's how you know I like to define it. And and from that perspective, we are all you know given that gift. We are all given that spirit at birth. And then this society, our society, does not allow us to manifest that spirit. Does not allow us to act out of act freely out of that spirit and and express our our geniuses and intrinsic value. You know, share that intrinsic value with one another. So I think what Bitcoin does is allowing the right for um, right to freedom of expression. You know, the, the Bitcoin allow us to to become unique individual. And I think that when each person become unique individual, then we don't have to compare ourselves with anyone. We don't have to, you know, try to do anything. Like, we, you know, the, I think our society really promote us to become somebody else, somebody other than ourselves. And that, that's the image that is given from the, from the popular, popular culture, whether that is the, the image of a celebrity or a beautiful model or, uh, you know, successful, you know, business person or, you know, all kind of, kind of a hierarchical ranking, you know, that, that this capitalistic society could promote and, and make people to strive for that perfection, strive to attain that goal, which is not necessarily meant for everyone, right? So I think for me, it's when we find that, the, when we were finally allowed to become individual and they realize that we are inherently valuable at birth without doing anything, you know, and, and we are human beings, not human doings. So then we don't have to achieve anything. We don't have to go to good university, you know, to be smart. You know, we are already intrinsically smart and valuable. So I think that will create internal peace. You know, it, it, it would basically, yeah, we don't, the, the competitive drive, so to speak, Destructive competitive drive, drive, I would say, not the, the healthy one, but destructive competitive drive, aggression or the activity to seek for um, permission, approval, recognition, you know, all of those things, they, they, would, they would just fall away. And that's, that's, I think, when we find internal peace. And then that would, I, I think, fundamentally create, create the world of peace. And, and I think that you know, the, I, I think that the wars are created, wars, destruction, exploitation, all of those things that, you know, our political leaders or, you know, psychopaths, so to speak, you know, that they, they, they are engaged in, I think, it comes from, I think, lack of self-acceptance, lack of self-love, and that drives them to always constantly seek for power and seek for power, control, domination. So 
the, the only way to actually stop this is is find a way to you know help us all yeah find us help us all find the the internal peace yeah adopt bitcoin exactly and it's a very simple thing i think you know we don't have to fight we don't have to we don't have to protest we don't have to do anything we just just hold you know sats uh, and it's a peaceful peaceful act so and, wait i want to jump in so again i want to take the perspective of someone who might not believe you might not believe us so that way that this is a, a helpful podcast for them so can you explain again from first principles how fiat money enables what you would consider to be like unnatural behavior, negative behavior, negative competitiveness. It's something like, like everyone in the world today looks around and says like something is amiss. And then even a lot of like people who want like social justice or state controlled, you know, dominance, it's in order to correct the flaws of capitalism, right? So can you kind of talk about like where fiat money fits into all that? I think that uh, the, the basically world dictated by central banks creates it, it's a very it, it's a very oppressive mechanism and it's create the victims and perpetrator of abuse right and 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 it's mainly because it's hierarchical and it's 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 a control mechanism and anybody that small group of people who can control monetary supply then they they can use it and then they can use money to to promote certain activities so we we've, we've seen it uh, through censorship of course you know, the censorship from social media to academia and companies, you know, it's, it's spread everywhere, every aspect of life, actually. And what it does is that it sends a signal like, OK, this is this is the kind of things that you cannot talk about. This is this is, you know, kind of things that you can do. You know, it's, it's reward and, and it's punishes. And what it does is that it's really we were we will be cut off from our own intuition or what I say, like our authentic self. And they start to conform to the, the, the you know, basically the popular ideas or the ideas that are, that are promoted and then start to shy away from, you know, engaging in activities that are, that are, um, that are seen as labeled as negative or bad or, you know, uh, unfavorable. So, so that's, that's, I think, the mechanism of, you know, regulatory mechanism in some ways. And that, that is fake because I think that's that's that that what I mean as artificial is is that it does not allow each person to connect with our our instinct basically and then we all know like you know animals for instance if you look at observe animals that they they are connected to their instinct they are governed by the nature's law and nature's law you know that when lions are hungry they they hunt for rabbit they hunt for food you know and then when they become you know, they eat enough, then they stop hunting, for instance. And that mechanism is installed in all creatures, you know, including humans. And then so when we create a society, we create a civilization that cut us off from this instinct, cut us from, from this laws of nature, then of course that, you know, it creates, it pulls our society into artificial direction. So I think that's, that's what was done by, you know, central banks uh, creating fake money, basically, artificial money. I don't know if that sound, makes sense. No, I, th I think it does make sense. And I mean, I guess kind of going from there, like how, how much have you thought about what happens to the world once, you know, a critical mass of people have adopted sound money? Like what does the world look like at that point? 
I think that it's it, it would be diverse. I think that it, it promotes diversity. Uh, it would be. It, it, I, I would like to think it, it would be it would create social harmony, but not social harmony that is controlled from top down or the somehow artificially made. But it's it's just each person uh, acting out of their self interest and each person becoming unique individual somehow it would create order, you know, that, that, you know, many people might think that, that, oh, that would create chaos. You know, if each person is allowed to, to act freely, that, that will create chaos and then that they're, they're, you know, it, it's going to be mess. But I think on the contrary, that actually it would eventually create order, but that order is, I mean, it, that, that would be organic order. And so I, I, think, I think that it's, it would be a diverse society. That's what I, that I would think. It's, I don't say like it's good or bad, but I think it would be rich, diverse cultures, diverse opinions. And so that's kind of how, how I see it. It's, it's, it's against, it's the opposite of, of uh, monoculture. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I mean, like, I, if I were to like look around at the world today, I would say that there's a very strong like English language based and led monoculture yeah. that we're seeing yeah, kind of like right. roll out. And, you know, the the existing and, I guess, main culture never goes out without a fight, right? And yes, this monoculture is dominant. And sure, the sound money world is has been introduced. But, you know, the, the existing predominant culture is not going to go out without a fight. Have you thought about, like, what that transition is yeah. going to look like? Maybe we're, I think we're already living in that transition, right? Yeah. Definitely, I, I think uh, yeah, we are already living in this transition. And I, th- I find you know, I mean, I, I come from Japan. You know, I grew up, I was born and grew up in Japan, and English is the second language. That I kind of had this kind of always like a pressure for me to conform to this native language. You know, like the the when I speak to to American, for instance, you know, English native native speakers, that there is this uncon. I mean, in the, the forcible pressure that that sometimes uh, you know I, I have felt and and I think in Bitcoin ecosystem I feel like I, I can find myself to be native in that environment and and actually that's one thing that I I became in love with when I first interacted with the internet the internet uh, presented kind of like a borderless borderless world where we could exist as you know, beyond the nationality, race and language and religion and all those things. And we, we could just simply become just humans, you know? And in a sense that the Bitcoiners creating new language, for instance, you know, new vocabularies and, and it's, it's a, made up of diverse people. And uh, when I interact with Bitcoiners, you know, it, it, it's not just Americans or, you know, Europeans. I mean, it, it's just from all over the world. And, and somehow we are, creating, reinventing our culture, global culture. And in English language, I, I find English language itself is changing. So, you know, and I, and I think English, in my opinion, is open source and it should be ever be open source, but somehow corporate-led globalization and this, the phenomenon of the US empire really kind of colonized the English language itself so that, you know, there is something created like standard English or that everybody have to, have to speak like them, you know, speak like native English speakers, speak like British people, or, you know, the same thing happened to um, our culture as well, that there is this corporate culture 
uh, and the corporate culture basically colonized all other cultures, multiple, you know, diverse cultures, and everybody had to conform to corporate values. And then now, of course, you know, the, the people of color, the, the indigenous people, they lose so much because that corporate culture is, is foreign to them. You know, it, it's not, not to, nothing to do with their, their, their authentic beings. So, so, you know, in order to, for us to adjust to that corporate culture, uh, language and belief system, even, you know, that we have to give up so much. And, and I think that we have traded, I think, our authenticity for acceptance. And, and then when I say acceptance, it's, it's for some people, it's, it's, yeah, acceptance is a way to get promotion, financial reward, recognition, um, fame. But for some people, it's that acceptance is for survival, whether, you know, they have to give up their, their, their authentic self to, in order for us to live, you know. And I think that's what Native Americans, for instance, have done. That, you know, many of us, I think, didn't have a choice but to give up our authenticity. And I think Bitcoin, you know, native currency of the internet, I, I think, gives us a tool to reclaim our own native culture. And, and what, what I found interesting is I've been very much fascinated with Hopi, Hopi's prophecy. And Hopi is, I don't know if you, if you know about them, but they basically they are Native Americans who live, uh, tribes who lived in, in Northern um, Arizona. And they are known to be the peaceful, peaceful one because they, they knew how to live, with, live in harmony with nature. And so they had this prophecy and that they, uh, the prophecy has been very accurate in some ways that they, they accurately predicted atomic bomb in, uh, in you know, drop, drop of atomic bomb in Hiroshima and Nagasaki and then internet, uh, invention of the internet, airplane and all of that stuff. And that they have this idea that now we are uh, living in uh, something called the fourth cycle, the fourth cycle of life or dimension. And, that, and now this cycle is ending and, and we are moving into something called the fifth dimension or fifth cycle. And, and in transition, there would be a lot of chaos, the wars, ecological crisis, all kinds of, all kinds of the problems that, that, that might come up. And, but then, and then, and then the Hopi described this as, as a period of purification. So everything that is not aligned with nature basically would be would be dismantled, would be destroyed, you know, and, and I, you know, the Hopi had this, uh, their God was the, what they call the great spirit and that, that they believe that the great spirit would come back and, and do the justice, do just deliver justice. And, and I think that that's, I, I see somehow, you know, maybe great spirit is working um, with Bitcoin protocol and help us help us transition from, from uh, this phase of life to, to another and bring us back to nature, bring, bring, you know, help us align with nature's way of life. And so I, so I, so that's what I see in, in this protocol. I mean, yeah. And, and, yeah. It, it's really in, incredible how a decentralized ledger can inspire so many different like connections in Bitcoiners minds and, and how that, you know, I've just seen and heard so many incredible metaphors and um, tries people's attempts to distill what Bitcoin is doing to the world. And if I may add that, that there is another interesting thing about Hopi prophecy is that the, the, they, they, there is a mention of lost white brothers, you know, that they, they believe that, that there were 
white brothers that they were with Hopi, but then they separated, separated and went to a different direction. And the uh, Hopi prophecy basically, uh, you know, talks about how they would come back, they would return, go back and, and help somehow, help Hopi and bring, bring them back their, their land and, and uh, do justice. And then when I first found this white brothers, it was white brothers, I, I thought that it's a cypherpunks, you know, that it's cypherpunks now coming back and they are, you know, they're white, mostly white male, right? And so they are now on the internet somehow find a way to, yeah, find a way to open, you know, hack our consciousness and, and open our civilization to, to connect us back to nature. So I, yeah, I find it's very- So I, I want to talk about this idea of Bitcoin bringing us back to nature and on your podcast recently with Max Kaiser and Stacey Herbert, you talked about how Bitcoin aligns incentives, Bitcoin brings back the value in self-interest and how self-interest has been something that's kind of been blind by Western culture. And I'm only familiar with Western culture, so I can only speak to that. But can you talk about how like how Bitcoin aligns incentives around self-interest and why that's a good thing? Well, I mean, I think that uh, in Western society, I think actually it, it's, it's compared to, I think, other cultures, there the self-interest is promoted, I, I think, enough. And the, I would just give you an example of that the culture that I grew up with, grow up in, uh, Japan, for instance, that there is this proverb that says, uh, nails that stick out will be hammered. So the, the Japanese culture very much, um, you know, promotes uh, group harmony, social harmony, and the, the interest of group collectives over the, the interests of individuals. So for instance, you know, I, I could not act out of self-interest. Anytime like I try to speak my opinion or try to act out of my self-interest, that would be seen as selfish. And that, you know, you, you, you and it, it, it's actually socially regulated. To, to, pro, to provoke certain emotions. And these emotions are a sense of guilt, a sense of kind of betraying your group or a sense of shame that, you know, you are, or somehow like made me feel like I am being selfish. And then, you know, I have to change myself, change my behavior. I need to conform to this group values and, and protect group values, right, for instance. And so one of the reasons when I, I was attracted on to the United States was that because I, I really believed in, the you know the the values of uh, individual liberty, for instance, that, that this country was uh, supposed to uphold, and so so that kind of initially attracted me to this country. And then as soon as I got here, I realized that you know what we have in in, in the United States is a fake uh, fake uh, false individuality, you know, and and in a sense that. It's it's a little complex, but it's ended up creating the same effect as all correct other collective cultures. That and I think that's what we are seeing in the left, the Silicon Valley social media, like Twitter uh, censoring and then all of that things, you know. But the importance of of the self interest is, of course, the, the without us connecting with self interest, I mean. I think that the, that uh, we were operating in a paradigm where if I become happy, somehow like the other person cannot be happy, or if I become rich, then somehow I'm creating poverty, or you know, other person is is become or is oppressed or something. So, you know, 
Bitcoin, what Bitcoin creates is Bitcoin creates a unifying system where that creates a win-win situation for everyone, basically. So me being rich or me being happy individually, you know, that enriches everybody in the network, that enriches everyone. So it's it's very important for me, me to pursue for my self-interest and pursue for my own happiness. And then once, you know, uh, you become happy, then you can help other person, for instance, right? And then also the religious, certain religious ideas, I think, that really promotes this idea of helping other people or, you know, you have to sacrifice your own self-interest in order to help other people, or, you know, you need to be compassionate, kind, and, and empathic, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, but, but if you think about it, that that is actually, evolutionarily speaking, it's, it's kind of suicide, you know, because we have to put someone else before us, you know, so before our self-interest. So, no, you know, we have to first nurture ourselves. We have to first you know, make sure that we are thriving and, and well taken care of. So then before we take care of other person, so that, that should be the foundation. And somehow I think many cultures, I think existing cultures have misunderstood, like that, that they they've, haven't found a way to align incentives with, with human nature. Again, it, it makes sense. And it, it's hard to explain it unless you right. actually yeah. experience it, you know? So I would implore people to, learn about Bitcoin because like it really does kind of align incentives there. And there, there does seem to be like this unity, smaller, big holders, as long as you're a holder and you're part of the network, like helping everyone. And, you know, you just see example after example, everywhere that Bitcoin touches, there's an alignment of incentives, energy usage with mining. There's an alignment of incentives, um, using the blockchain well and batching and just and all that kind of stuff. There's a, there seems to just be an alignment of incentives across the board. And it's amazing, like either Satoshi is the luckiest man on earth or, you know, there was a incredible understanding of human, you know, kind of how human beings function because the system is extremely, extremely well aligned. Exactly. And I think that we, I think that what Bitcoin did to me personally is that Bitcoin helped me to think in a completely new way. And, and I think that, you know, we were so used to having this, uh, the world that kind of create a sep- illusion of separation that I am separated from you. And that somehow, you know, that I, I you know, we have this sense of individuality, but, it, but it's not placed in the reality of interconnectedness. And, and so that, that creates a divide and that it, in a sense that, if I become happy, then the happiness could be made in expense of someone. You know, I'm taking money from someone or I'm creating misery in yeah. somebody's life, which is the well, case in, in a fiat system, you know, right? Because it's a fiat yes. engaging in exploitation, oppression, wars, and things like that. So that people in the U.S., for instance, you know, they can afford to have, you know, luxury consumer goods, you know, two cars in a garage and, you know, in expense of somebody's life overseas, Right. But the yep. Bitcoin changes this paradigm that Bitcoin allow everyone to, to become affluent and, and be happy, you know, so then. Everyone you know, gets access to the best money in the world. Exactly. Then everybody yeah. become happy. Everybody become peaceful and everybody, you know, everybody become rich. I don't mean it in the material sense, but rich internally. And also if you have money, you know, somehow I think that the money has become a bad thing. Like if you recognize that people like socialists or activists, they tend to kind of 
you know, criticize people who have a lot of money, right? And and I hear, like, I come from, I used to be a social justice warrior, actually. So I have a lot of socialist-leaning friends, and they they are kind of a little bit shocked with the fact that I, I promote Bitcoin or I love Bitcoin. And then, you know, the one of the criticism is that Bitcoin, you know, is a kind of promote, like, create another capitalism or, or you know, it's it's create wealth and, you know, and, and for me, it's like, what's wrong with being, what's wrong with being rich? And, you know, like, like the, the, the meme that we see on Twitter, like, or, or it's the, um, half on staying poor. Exactly, half on staying poor. And I think that it's, there's nothing wrong with having money because money is resources. And then the more resources we have, we can invest that money. We can help other people. You know, we can use that money wisely to build uh, new systems, you know, that, that allow people, everyone to benefit from. So, you know, I think that it actually also changes how we look at money and everything. It's, it changes everything about, you know, every aspect of our lives, I think. That's why I think that Bitcoin really made me rethink, you know, think in a new way. And, and I need to and I think that in this process, I think many of us feel like, you know, we have lost our mind. And I think it's true. I think <laughs> many of us have lost our mind, you know, because now we are learning to think with the heart. And then the heart has its own intelligence. And it would inform us. It would educate us. It would allow us to, to think, you know, in, 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 in you know, it, it, together with, with nature. And, and we being a part of nature, you know, when we manifest ourselves, when we start to to align yourself with nature and, and the wisdom inherent in, in nature's law, that civilization, I think, would, would be much more you know, successful than the civilization that we artificially built. So uh, I, I'm very hopeful that Bitcoin allow us to somehow allow humanity to reconnect back to nature and, and create new civilization, you know? Yeah, and I think that's an amazing place to kind of wrap up this episode. Uh, Nozomi, where can people find you? Where can they learn more about you? And what is your last word for the Bitcoin Magazine audience? So the, you can find me on Twitter, uh, Nozomi Imagine. That's my Twitter handle. And Nozomi with my name and the verb Imagine. So Nozomi Imagine. Or, and, and also you can uh, visit my website, nozomihayase.com. And so my, I guess the last word is, you know, to me, Bitcoin led me to self-liberation. And my next question really is that, can I liberate myself from Bitcoin? That would be like my next question. Wow. All right. Well, we can leave the audience with that. And for all those out there, I'm sure you're, you've been orange-pilled. Take some of Nozomi's examples and, and some of her uh, arguments for the moral and self-aligning outcomes and benefits of Bitcoin too, because the orange pill has a lot of benefits in my opinion, and it's exciting to see how Bitcoiners are digesting and explaining this this phenomenon, the, the sound money experience. So with that, you guys can find the show at Bitcoin Magazine. You can find all of our content at BitcoinMagazine.com, including some fantastic articles by Nozomi. And you can find me at CK underscore Snarks. So make sure to share, like, subscribe, all the above. Peace. A quick reminder that all of the content in this episode is for informational and entertainment purposes only. You should not construe the information as legal, tax, investment, financial, or any other advice. 
Nothing contained in this presentation constitutes a solicitation, recommendation, or offer by BTC Media, the Let's Talk Bitcoin Podcast Network, or any third-party service provider to buy or sell securities or any other financial instruments. Do your own research.